Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. I agree. I agree. Unbridled spirit. So the Lord, um, the Lord told me I needed to preach on the unbridled spirit. And I'll be honest with you, it was really intimidating to me because I don't think up until now I had the authority to do it. So it's really been intimidating for me um, to realize um, the magnitude of what an unbridled spirit is. And, uh, you know, I mean, Kentucky is like the horse capital of, I don't know, of the world or whatever it is. You know, I mean, they have that little race that goes on in May. And uh, was it hashtag Derbygate 2019? <laughs> whatever it is. Anyways. Um, a bridle is the, the headpiece they put on a horse. And it, it usually consists of a bit that actually goes in the mouth. It's a metal piece that goes inside the horse's mouth. And please forgive me, I don't race horses. I really don't know much about horses at all. But, uh, and the, the reins that actually gets, actually hooks on to the bridle itself, and that's how the horse is controlled. Um, that's how the, the person that's riding the horse tells the horse where to go, is through that bridle. And uh, I just think, I don't even know how to start, honestly. Um, I just think that the, the, the church has gotten too used to putting a bridle on the Holy Spirit and telling him where he needs to go and how he needs to act and when he can show up. And it breaks my heart. It really does. And I mean, I think that we are an immensely blessed congregation because I've never, I have never experienced the level. I mean, there is no question that when we show up here on a Sunday, God is going to show up. Amen. I mean, there's just no question whatsoever. Now, I've been in church services. I've led church services where I'm like, well, we'll see what happens today. <laughs> I mean, and, and I spent... And I think this is one of the reasons why this, this message is, uh, I was actually talking to Jamie this morning. I'm gonna admit something, um, and, and I didn't want to, but the Lord wants me to say it. So I think in, in my uh, preaching history, I mean, there was often times where God would give me a word, and I would really, really uh, care other times, and really, well, kind of like, I mean, just that I had it put together in a sense that I knew a lot uh, and I'd start stealing stuff from other sermons or other people. And uh, I think that this message, and I probably, maybe I shouldn't lead up to it so much because if it tanks, then you're like to me because typically if, if the Lord said, I want you to preach on an unbridled spirit, I'd get scared and, and I'd start looking up what that is and start looking up stuff too. But, but the Lord wouldn't let me do that. So the Lord has given me, and honestly, he didn't give it all to me until this morning. So, and, he, and it, that was probably one of the, the hardest things for me because the Lord gave me the unbridled spirit word probably, I don't know, six months ago. I know it's all over Kentucky, but I'm slow, so I don't really see all that stuff. Um, 
So we'll just see how it goes. Hopefully Jesus helps me. <laughs> if it doesn't make sense, don't tell me. <laughs> just smile and nod. <laughs> and amen every once in a while too. 2 Timothy 1.7 uh, says, For God, this is probably one of my, my most favorite uh, verses. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. That word timidity means cowardice. So, so God has not given us a spirit of fear, of cowardice, but has given us one of power, which is the word dunamis, which is, actually means miraculous. So miraculous power, might, strength, and love. Love is agape. He's given his love and discipline, which is self-control. One of the things I think that majority of people uh, struggle with the most is self-control, discipline. is actually getting in the word and staying in the word and praying and consistently praying and seeking the Father and staying away from the things that we used to like. Amen? I mean, um, I want you to turn to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to go through about 25 verses. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin of death. So there's absolutely no restrictions. So when we choose God, we choose to follow him, there's no restrictions whatsoever. It didn't say you're partially free. Um, you're free from this area of your life. It says you're free. So God grants us absolutely full access, no restrictions whatsoever. Any restrictions that we have, no, that's good. Any restrictions that we've had, we've placed on ourselves. So Christians get into this really, um, we get into this, this routine of blaming the devil. We blame him for a lot. And we give him way more credit than he deserves. I mean, oh, you know, a lot of it's just our own circumstances. And we have to own it. We have to realize that the restrictions that we've placed on ourselves, they've come from us. I mean, we can blame mom and dad. We can blame circumstance. We can blame things that have happened. And, and there's terrible things. And there's terrible parents. And there's terrible... Th I mean, just... But to continue to walk in restriction, in, in, in being bridled by the enemy, because, I mean, really... I mean, that's really what it is. We allow the enemy to put a bridle over us, and he controls our every thought, motive, ambition, everything. We don't dream because the enemy says, don't. You're not good enough. We don't move because the enemy says we're not capable. So he puts the bit in our mouth, and we're controlled by him. And, that, and the funny thing is, is, is if you've... Have you ever seen a horse 
remove its own bridle. Please, if you have, don't say you have. I'm pretty sure it's not possible. I didn't look it up. I didn't study horses. So I don't want somebody to go, oh, well, I've seen that once. A horse can't remove its own bridle, and neither can we. Who can? The master. The one that owns the horse. Amen? I mean, how often do we try to remove our own crap? I mean, I've spent hours, days, years trying to remove my own stuff. Thinking, well, if I just do this and this and this, I'll get it right. Guess what? It never worked. It lasted for probably 10 seconds. And I was right back where I was. It, it, you can't remove the enemy's bridle from your life without his help. Amen? You can't do it on your own. It's impossible. Um, where was I? So verse three, for what the law could not do, weak as it is, or weak, yeah, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So a horse can't remove its own bridle. We can't remove our own bridle. We need God's help. And the bridle comes from the enemy, but it also comes from our own choices, and our own desires, because the enemy has no authority. Amen. I mean, that was stripped. All authority that he had was stripped when Jesus climbed on the cross. Plain and simple. If Christ is in, verse 10, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Here's another one of my favorites. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So when when we say yes and when God pours his spirit out on us he's giving us get this he, he's giving us the same spirit that lived in Jesus. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It's not, I've heard this said a lot, and I'm sorry, but it's not a junior version of the Holy Spirit. It's not a portion. It's not, 
It's not humanity version of the spirit. It's the same spirit that lived and operated in Jesus. The same spirit. That's what it says right here. Verse 11. This is the same spirit. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. You have resurrection power. You know how many times I've, I've, you know how many times I've read that verse? I love that verse. Do you know how many times I've read that verse and never really, 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 really believed it? Do you know how many times I've preached that verse? I'm not going to go through all the reallys again, but never really believed it. Guess what happens when you really believe it? No, really, guess what happens when you really believe it? (laughs) Every restriction falls off. Everything that you think is absolutely impossible is no longer impossible because God grants us full access to the throne, full access to the kingdom. There's no restriction. And we're, we're so stuck and going, well, I can't face God because he doesn't even want to see me right now. That, that's a bunch of crap. He's just, he, he longs. He longs for you to be in his presence. Isn't that crazy? I mean, we think it's the other way around. We long to be in his presence, but we can't enter into his presence because we're too dirty. We've got this bridle on us that that has constantly controlled us. And Paul talks about it, about how he does the things he doesn't want to do. Well, it's because you're controlled by somebody that isn't Jesus. If If we do the things that we don't want to do, it's because we've allowed the enemy to control our mind and our thoughts and our actions. I think it changes perspective when we realize that it's not about a power or an authority thing with the enemy, it's, it's simply the fact that we've allowed it. We've allowed it. And the enemy loves it because he lies and he cheats and he steals and he makes you think that he has control over you, but he has zero control over you. It's scary, though, isn't it? I mean, especially when you got deep, dark stuff. You got stuff you don't want anybody else to know. I mean, it's hard to step out because what if, what if I step out and that gets revealed? What if I remove the bridle and all my junk gets revealed? What if... There's even, I'm sorry, I'm going off script, but there's even this perspective. What if I get free? I've lived with this hurt for so long. I've lived with the pain for so long. I deserve it. What if I actually got free? What would I do? How would I act? Who would I hang out with? 
And the enemy is so crafty. He's so, oh my gosh, he's irritating. Because those are the things he does. And those are the small little things that he instills in our mind and our hearts. Thinking, well, man, what if you got free and everybody found all your stuff out? Well, then I suppose you don't have any control over me anymore. Right. Amen? <laughs> what if? What if everybody found out my stuff? You know, one thing that I used to absolutely hate is, is whenever I'd screw up, God always, always told me to confess it in front of the church. Every time. It drove me nuts because it was so humiliating. And the church, at that, I'm sure they're like, oh gosh, he's getting up again. <laughs> I mean, you all know that one guy, you know, that like... That one person that struggles with the same thing over and over. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. But, but no matter. <laughs> that's the flesh talking. <laughs> because really, it's such a delightful thing. Yes. I don't care how many times somebody screws up and falls into sin. I mean, we've had, I've, had, I've had friends, and this is being videotaped, and hopefully I'm not talking about I'm not going to say their names. But I've, I've had friends that constantly struggle with pornography. And they, had, I mean, struggled and struggled and struggled. And, and it seemed like every time we'd meet as a group, they'd confess that they had a pornography issue. And we'd pray and, and they'd do it again. And we'd pray and we'd do it. But eventually, the enemy lost his hold. Because if you confess it, it's out in the open. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. Because that kind of stuff doesn't exist in the kingdom of God. Amen? Now I've got to get back on track. Because I don't, I don't even know where I was going with that. But So verse 12. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, who you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you've not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Come on. So, newsflash, if you don't feel like you're a child of God, well, then maybe the Spirit's not loud enough in your heart. If you have an orphan mindset and you feel like nobody could possibly love you, or if anybody found out that you did this, this, and this, they'd reject you in a heartbeat. You won't even speak it out to God because you're too ashamed of it. Isn't that something? We won't even speak it out to God because we're ashamed of what we did, but he already knows what we did, and all he really wants is us to just release it. Isn't that amazing? I mean, this is, I, this is the stuff that, that is so easy, but so hard at the same time. Because it's really the hardest thing we do to follow him. It's one of the biggest things we have to give up is our junk. And sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it takes walking through it to get rid of it. 
And that's the most painful thing to do because it's uncomfortable. And, and usually, when you walk through it, you have to begin to confess. You have to begin to unload it. So the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him, so that all, so all, everything that is God's is mine and yours, everything, everything he has, he makes available to us. There is nothing that he withholds when we ask with the right heart. And that, that's just amazing. Nothing, nothing does he withhold from us when we approach him with the right heart. Hmm. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we've been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For, we, for who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. All of creation, come on. All of creation longs for you to get free. All of creation longs for you to understand that there is a limitless possibilities and opportunities and for you to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. That's crazy. That's crazy. So when we, back to the, the main point. <laughs> The church has gotten into the habit of bridling the Spirit. Because when the Spirit moves, it gets uncomfortable sometimes. Some stuff happens. Some weird stuff. Some stuff like that doesn't make any sense. Some stuff that we read and hear that we supposedly believe, but... Well, I mean, it's better to read it in here. It's like, you know, reading Harry Potter. It's just, you know, I don't read Harry Potter, but I watch the movies, uh, and all the internet says, oh, um, it's a religious spirit. Um, anyways, 
We read it. We acknowledge it. We acknowledge that this is the word of God breathed by him. But when the spirit shows up and does the stuff that he does in here, we're like, whoa. Wait a minute. What happened to the three songs in the sermon? I mean, it's noon. What do we do? We're not even going to get a table at the restaurant. I mean, all the Baptists got the better seats. That's not good. <laughs> so when, we, when the Spirit shows up, we'd rather put a bridle on him and go, wait, 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 wait. Oh, oh. You stay right there for just a second. We got to finish this. Well, we got the offering next. We got to. You're making me uncomfortable. We can't do this right now. People are going to leave the church because they're not going to understand. Or it's the other way around. It goes, well, you're going to reveal my sin. So, no, 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 no. I'm pretty comfortable right now. Everybody thinks I got it all put together. I put a smile on my face. I say, hey, I'm doing good. And then I leave and I go back to my junk. That's good with me. I'm good. I don't need to get free. You stay over there. We get uncomfortable, so we bridle him. And guess what? Here, guess what? He doesn't like to be bridled. See, I, I know enough, I know enough, because I've seen movies, that if you, <laughs> that if you, if you take a wild horse and you try to put a bridle on him, um, you're probably going to get hurt. He kind of doesn't like it. Or she, whatever. And... <laughs> He'll probably run away from you. Probably not going to want to exactly. So when we try to control what the spirit is doing, well, he just says, all right, I'm out. So there's, there's churches all over this nation that meet every Sunday. They're meeting right now and they're having good church services but the spirit doesn't have the permission to show up because they put the bridle on him and said, stand in the corner. We'll call you out and we'll lead you out when we're ready for you. And the spirit says, no, 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 that's not how I operate. We're not doing that. So there's churches all over this nation that the spirit is gone because somebody thought they could do it better. Come on. I know that hurt. That's not... I know that's harsh, but it's truth. We've, we've, dismissed, we've dismissed the spirit because he makes us uncomfortable. And we can't stick to the script if the spirit shows up. But if we put a bridle on him, then we can lead him around and tell him when he can and when he can't go and what he can do. But the problem is, is he doesn't operate that way. He doesn't show up at all. 
so we fake it. So we have these good church services and we post good things on Facebook and say, oh, it's so powerful. Because we want people to think that the Spirit is moving when the Spirit really isn't moving. And that's a desperate situation. And the only way out of it is repentance. The only way out of it is to take the bridle off and go, ah, I messed up. Because the crazy thing is, is God's a gentleman. (laughs) I mean, he can do whatever he wants to do, however and whenever, but he's a gentleman. So if we say don't, well, he's not going to push himself on us. Help us, God. Forgive us. I mean, so uh, in John, turn to John 14. Um, John 14, verse 16. I will ask the Father, this is Jesus. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And then in in verse 26, it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So that word helper means advocate, intercessor, consoler, comforter. Here, the actual meaning is it's a legal advocate who makes the right judgment call because they're close enough to the situation. Come on. That takes the pressure off. Am I, I mean... We've been looking for a house, and that is an awful, awful time, especially when you don't have a lot of money. You got a lot of money, you can do whatever you want, but when you don't, it's kind of like, eh, you know, and uh, of course, we, you know, we don't want to spend too much money anyways, but anyways, that's not even part of our saying. So, it's been, it's just been one of those situations, like, What's the right house? We're gonna make the right decision. We're gonna, there's, it, it's pressure. It's stressful. Yeah. And, it, and honestly, I look back, I could look at it, but why is it so stressful? Why am I making this such a big deal? But it, it's even details like that that the Spirit wants to just, he's clo- if he's close enough to our heart, we don't have to stress about it. If he's close enough to our heart, we don't have to worry about it because. He'll make the decision. But we have to let him in. We have to listen. We have to have intimacy. We have to have communion with him. We have to want to listen to him and not make the decision because, well, it's a good decision. Because the word says that he'll guide us, he'll be our advocate, he'll be our helper our comforter, 
And it, and it such as, oh my gosh, is it sweet. I can't even begin to even put words to how great he is and how incredible it is to be so close that this verse actually comes alive in my heart and my life. It's not just a words on a piece of paper that sounds good. And then we put the, the Christian spin on it and we make it seem like we've got it all. We're doing that. I'm doing that. We really live it out because we've decided that nothing is more important than allowing the one that God sent to actually do his job. <laughs> we don't have to micromanage him. Um, you guys, have you ever rented a house? That's awful. Yeah. The landlord-tenant relationship. The landlord tells you what to do, how to do it, when to do it, how much money you're going to give him, when he, I mean, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It's, it's really, it's, I mean, I suppose if you're the landlord, maybe it's not that bad. But if you're the tenant, uh, it's, it can kind of be terrible, depending on the landlord, I guess. We've had some choice ones. And, uh, hmm, they just do whatever they want to because they think they can. And uh, for a lot of people, it's, anyways. But I, I really think that there are way too many people out there that have that kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have this landlord-tenant uh, relationship. The problem is, is we're the landlord and he's the tenant. I'm pretty sure it should be the other way around, but it's not in majority of the cases. Because Jesus said that my spirit will live in you and abides in you. So he's in us but we try to tell him what he can do, what room he can paint, uh, what, how long we can, we try to say, well, how, this, okay, you sh just a little bit, you can't. We have this really just backwards relationship with the spirit thinking that we control the situation when he should control the situation. He should control everything we do. I know that sounds kind of, I mean, that sounds some, somewhat like, man, I can't do anything for myself. Yeah, it does. It is. I can't do anything for myself. That means he might ask me to spend 45 minutes in the Word today. Ugh. I might have to actually pray. Or I might actually, I mean, it's it, seriously, these are the things that, and I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's true. 
Our life should belong to him 100%. We don't like that because we like control. We want to have the reins in our hands. Because, and I, I'm a control kind of person. Um, for me to give up control is hard. Because I know if I have the reins in my hand, I can control the situation and I know what I'm doing. When I give the reins to the Spirit, I have no idea what I'm doing. And that is an incredibly uncomfortable situation for me. Because I can't analyze him. And I'm an analyzer. I like to know step by step what's next. And I can't do that. Because that's not the way he operates. No matter how many times I ask him. He says, no, will you just let me do it? You're not ready for that. <laughs> it's, it's, it can be uncomfortable. In uh, Acts chapter 1. Hmm. Verse 4, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they'd come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So it's important enough for Jesus to say, stop, don't do anything, don't move until you've received the Spirit. Yeah. It's important enough for Jesus to say, wait, you're not going anywhere. You're not doing anything until you've received the promise. Yeah. Because you can't function without it. You can't function without Holy Spirit moving and guiding and directing your every move. Amen. You can't. Otherwise, it's all flesh. It's all our own motives. And then we put the spin on it to where it seems like, well, God told me to do it, but really we didn't hear from God at all. And I speak from experience. So we have this really amazing church. We have this amazing time whenever we meet here. The presence of God shows up mightily. Does he do it every day of your life? Does he do it when you walk out the door? Does he do it on Monday morning? Does he do it on Tuesday morning? Does he do it on Wednesday morning? Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Or are you just experiencing the presence of God on Sunday morning? He doesn't just dwell in here. <laughs> I mean, we've made it about a building. No, I won't go there. <laughs> yeah. 
We've made it about stuff that it, it has nothing to do with whatever's in here. And I'm not saying all this stuff is bad. It's great. I love where we meet. This is amazing. I love this wood wall. It's amazing. I love it. I love the lights. I love the worship. But I love, I mean, I love the presence. It's healing. I, I don't think that you could sit in his presence and not be delivered. Amen. I mean, really, really, really sit in his presence. I've used that word a lot today. Really. Really. I couldn't. You can't hide from God. Pray, praise him for that. No matter how hard you try. So John, um, John 14, verse 12. So we're going to go up four verses from, uh, from 16. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Greater things you will do. Uh-uh, uh-uh Jesus. No. That's not impossible. You're Jesus, the Son of God, your deity. How in the world am I supposed to do even greater things than you did? That's ridiculousness. Blasphemous, what the religious spirit would say. But he said it. Oh, oh you can't take it away now. He said it. Those are his words. Greater things you will do than he did. That boggles my mind. I can't even wrap my mind around it. I don't think I ever will. I don't think we're supposed to. I just think that we're supposed to submit and be obedient. I think we're we're, we're just supposed to allow him to do whatever he wants in us however he wants to do it, and whenever he wants to do it. When he shows up, we just say, yes. Amen. Yes. One of the hardest words to say in the English language. I mean that. Especially as a dad. I like to say no. (laughs) Rhetorical, or I don't even know what that meant, but... It's easier to say no because then you don't have to try. Because there's no risk of failure. At least that's the way I, I feel about it. If I say no, I don't have to worry about failing. I don't have to worry about things not working out the way that I was going to hope it to work out. But every time we say no, we put that bridle right back on the spirit. 
That's a good one. You should quote that. Every time we say no, we put a bridle on the spirit. We restrict his every move. Well, how can we do that? He's God. He can do whatever he wants to. Doesn't matter what I do. He's going to do whatever he wants. Really? Is that true? Is it true? I mean, I know he's God. And I know he can do whatever he wants to do. Whether I say yes or no. But is it true? That he will supersede my authority, my will, and do whatever he wants to anyways? If I say no, is that person ever going to get prayed for? If I say no, is that person ever going to get healed or delivered? Maybe. I don't know. I guess I don't want to take the risk anymore. I mean, I know he's God, and he will do whatever he wants to do. But I don't want to give it a chance whatsoever for me to say no and somebody to miss out. Because I was afraid. And that's really what it comes down to. The spirit. Oh. The things that he wants to unleash in our lives. The freedom, the deliverance, the joy, the excitement, the passion, the dreams. Oh. I think I think Holy Spirit delights delights in being in this one-on-one relationship with us. I really do. I think he delights when we, when we stand in awe of him. The worship this morning, the presence was so thick in here. I don't ever want to intentionally put the bridle back on him. I want to take it off and let him do whatever he wants to do. <laughs> Amen. I mean, whatever he wants to do, through me, in me, whatever it is. And that might get uncomfortable, and it has. But it is a beautiful place to live. A beautiful place to live. And God adores you and loves you. And he doesn't air your dirty laundry. I mean, he really doesn't. Remember, he's a gentleman. He's not out to go, look, look what they did. He just wants it gone. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.